Hello, ako si Jadez Gavilan. Kayo ay nakikinig sa bagong Rappler Podcast episode kung sanihimayin natin ang mga maiinit at mahalagang isyo sa Pilipinas. Ito ang Rappler's Newsbreak, Beyond the Stories. Sa episode na to, pag-uusapan natin ang utos ni Pangulong Rodrigo Duterte sa Department of Justice na investigahan ng korupsyon sa buong gobyerno. Pero bakit nga ba DOJ ang naatasang mabuno sa task force na ito? Saan papasok ang Office of the Ombudsman? Kasama ko ngayon si Lian Buan, Rappler Justice Reporter, para talakayin kung anong posibleng maging effect ng setup na ito. Hi Lian, thank you for joining me today. You're welcome to this. So before we begin, can you give us a gist siguro, kahit short lang, of ano ba yung normal na anti-graft and corruption setup under the Constitution? Under the Constitution, it's the Office of the Ombudsman which has the jurisdiction to investigate and file cases against government officials. Um, tapos, ipa-file itong mga kasong ito na ipaprosecute ng Office of the Ombudsman sa Special Anti-Graft Court, which is called the Sandigan Bayan. Um, over the years, parang nagkaroon ng delineation over kung ano, um, strictly yung covered ng Ombudsman, Kasi what if um, you file a rape case against a government officials that's still covered by the ombudsman? Pero malinaw na kapag ang kaso ay about corruption, which is um, um, the anti-graft, the RA 3019, then it's with the office of the ombudsman. Matatandaan natin na naging issue din to dun sa drug case ni Senator Laila De Lima because Senator De Lima was saying that because she's above salary grade 26, then she should have been prosecuted by the ombudsman and not by the DOJ under Vitaliano Aguirre. But um, the DOJ asserted its jurisdiction and says that it's it's not related to her function as a as an SOJ. It's drugs. Hindi siya corruption related. Mm-hmm. So the DOJ had its way and so they were able to prosecute Senator De Lima and try her in an RTC. So parang in the past four years under Duterte, ano yung mga parang big changes na nakita mo or nag parang David umalis from this normal track dapat? Aside from, of course, yung nangyari kay Senator Dilima. Uh, ano yung mga parang big changes na nakita mo on how uh, Duterte approaches the issue of corruption? Ombudsmen have a term of seven years and so nag-overlap yung mga administration. So pagpasok ni... President Duterte, ang ombudsman ay si Ombudsman Conchita Carpio Morales, whom he did not appoint. Mm-hmm. He, um, she was appointed by President Noynoy Aquino. Um, the president didn't exactly see eye to eye with Ombudsman Morales. She was among the women officials that the president had verbal tussles with, and that includes Senator De Lima, CJ Sereno, and Ombudsman Morales. And in 2017, of course, um, Ombudsman Morales didn't have a I mean, the Office of the Ombudsman under Morales didn't have a choice but to investigate when Senator Trillanes filed a, com- a complaint that alleges um, hidden wealth. She, Senator Trillanes wanted to investigate the bank accounts of Duterte and, his, and the first family. And if we, and if we can remember, 2016 elections pa lang itong banko na ng mga Duterte ang parang mainit ang dugo ni Senator Trillanes dito. And when, so when uh, the Office of the Ombudsman started investigating this complaint by Senator Trillanes, which they should because it's their mandate, there's a complaint filed before them, the President started 
nag yung mga parinig niya that he was going to snub the investigation, he was not going to participate in that investigation. And this was in October 2017 and barely a month after created the Presidential Anti-Corruption Commission, the PACC, and appointed people supportive of him, people close to him, sila, the, the VACC guys, sila Dante Jimenez. For the PACC, which is kind of duplication of the function of the ombudsman, kaso lang ang, ang exclusive and ang jurisdiction lang ng PACC ay presidential appointees. Whereas the Office of the Ombudsman has jurisdiction over all government employees. Minibigyan ba ng batas ang presidente ng leeway para mag umalis sa parang tapat na track when it comes to corruption? Like what Duterte did with PACC? Um, kind of a difficult a question because as we've seen in, as we've seen in the entire four years of the president, he basically can do whatever he wants and nobody has challenged the existence of the PACC and I, nobody is challenging the memorandum of the anti-corruption task force or at least not yet so either he really has the power to do so or um wala lang nag-challenge because it's baka walang hindi hindi siya walang walang traction if they challenge it but as we've seen nobody challenged the PACC and nobody seems to be challenging the legality of the memorandum to create the mega task force led by the DOJ so to simply answer your question, meron naman. Meron naman. I mean, they will always say because he's the president. Okay. So, you mentioned the mega task force. Tell us about it. Uh, what does it aim to achieve? Do we have details na on how it will carry out the tasks given to them by the president? Well, Justice Secretary Minardo Guevara was not consulted before the president announced it that he was creating a mega task force led by the DOJ to investigate the entire government. Justice Secretary Guevara said it was the toughest assignment he's ever received from the president. And so, nung pagka-announce ng Pangulo, parang hindi agad malinaw yung mga sagot ni Secretary Guevara on how they were gonna do this. But um, off the cuff, he was telling us na they're gonna have uh, strike teams, kumbaga. Parang they're gonna sit down identify which agencies are corruption-prone, which transactions or which programs of these agencies they're going to investigate, and they're going to have strike forces swarming in on these targets. And that's how he justifies the existence of the mega task force. He's saying that, siyempre sa Office of the Ombudsman, they have to wait for a complaint to be filed against them. And even though they have moto proprio powers, which is the power to investigate on its own, it's kind of a passive role, kumbaga. Um, ito, proactive role, kasi, yun nga, they're gonna identify targets and they're gonna have strike teams swarming on this target. That's how he describes it. Parang, ang intense na imagery na yun, no? Yes. With the strike teams. So, yeah. bakit DOJ? Your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. Um, Well, it makes sense because DOJ under it is the National Prosecution Service or prosecutors, the National Bureau of Investigation is under it. So if not the in office of the ombudsman, DOJ naman talaga, the next agency that you would think of. And 
maybe it also speaks of his uh, the trust he gives um, Secretary Guevara. Kasi pangalawang beses na to eh. The first time was the PhilHealth Task Force. Mm-hmm. I mean, he couldn't have let Office of the Ombudsman handle that, di ba? He had to to create a task force specifically um, specifically targeting PhilHealth. And so, yun. Um, yeah, the DOJ naman talaga is the second um, investigative body that you would think of if not for the Office of the Ombudsman. Pero hindi ba ito mag-overlap sa role ng Office of the Ombudsman? Nabalitaan ko ito na magnyari ito. Naisip ko agad, ano yung kayang ibigay ng DOJ na hindi kayang ibigay ng Ombudsman? Or meron pa rin bang role naman yung Ombudsman dito sa task force ito? Pero minimal lang compared sa kung ano yung role ng DOJ. Right. On your first question, if there's overlap, definitely. It's a major, major, major overlap. Um, but we just have to make clear, though, and this is one thing that Secretary Guevara also acknowledges, when they investigate a case, the conclusion will be a complaint, and these complaints will still have to be filed before the Office of the Ombudsman for prosecution. Um, to compare, this is what happened in the pork barrel scam under Pinoy, wherein Secretary De Lima um, engaged the NBI to investigate the pork barrel scam and it was the NBI which filed the complaints before the office of the ombudsman which were then prosecuted by the ombudsman and then the ombudsman filed the case before the Sandigan Bayan. Uh, to your next question, what does the DOJ have that the ombudsman doesn't have? Manpower. I asked former Justice Undersecretary Jose Justiniano about this. Um, Yusek Justiniano was among the Yusek's in the pork barrel scam, which, uh, he was closely working with the DOJ NBI team in the pork barrel scam. He said na sobrang konte ng mga tao, ng, ang tawag kasi sa office na yun, sa Office of the Ombudsman, is FIO, Field Investigative Office. So ito yung mga investigators nila, kumbaga. It's the mm-hmm. NBI counterpart of the Office of the Ombudsman. Konting-konti ang tao ng FIO sa Ombudsman compared to the NBI, which has regional bureaus. So, kung manpower lang, talong-talong Office of the Ombudsman. So, that's something that the DOJ will have at its disposal, which are its NBI agents. And to your next question, to your last question, ano yung magiging role? Secretary oh. Guevara always says that they're always gonna coordinate with the Office of the Ombudsman. Um, I guess, yung, yung, ano dito, yung point dito ay, Ombudsman Samuel Martires did not complain. He did not say na, oh, wait, overlap. Why, why, why are you taking over my function? He released a statement last week saying that he's welcoming. He's welcoming this mega task force and nothing should give any critic a reason to undermine the commitment of the president. He said something like that to, to fight corruption. Um, it's as if like, ang apektado lang sa overlap ng functions ay yung mga observers. Kasi yung ombudsman, he doesn't mind. He said it's very welcome. But he did say that magkakaroon pa rin naman ng parallel inve- parang nothing, nothing would stop the office of the ombudsman from doing its job which is to investigate complaints filed before it. Mm-hmm. And if they see the need to moto proprio investigate uh, tips of corruption. And even the Supreme Court because the, the, secreta- uh, the Justice Secretary said na baka pwede rin nilang tignan ng mga uh, airing personnel of the judiciary and that is it is very clear the constitution that it's the supreme court which has administrative 
jurisdiction over disciplining members of the judiciary. But the Supreme Court spokesperson, Attorney Brian P. Sasaka, was saying that, you know, it's welcome, it's, uh, it, it, it shouldn't be shunned, parang ganun. Well, they're, they're, they're still drawing the line na administrative lang, titignan nyo lang, kumbaga support lang kayo, assistance. But it's very welcome. So no one in the government is raising a howl about this. Parang yung critics yung, yung nagpo-point out ng mga overlaps. So, itong response ni Ombudsman Martires and ng Supreme Court, did you expect this? Yes. Okay. Parang, um, I didn't really expect the Office of the Ombudsman and the Supreme Court to to say at least in public that, oh, bakit kinukuha to ng DOJ? Because, I mean, um, it seems like it's a consolidation of power mm-hmm. and it's very clear now. And, while they will say that any any effort to fight corruption should not be undermined, clearly see the traces of an effort to consolidate power. And um, he has the support of many agencies. And that's something na itangkita naman natin. And why do you think so? Like, what's the rationale behind this consolidation of power? This is an analysis by a Washington, D.C.-based public policy think tank, the Brookings Institution. They said that this is a populist approach and they see it happening also in the U.S. and in Brazil where the president's approach to fighting corruption is an individual. In Bisna, making do with the existing institutions to fight corruption, they fight it through close allies. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's the DOJ. And that's a um, populist approach. Okay. Can you tell me, like, siguro muna, kahit a little bit lang about Ombudsman Martires. Like, how is the office of the Ombudsman under him? Ombudsman Samuel Martires was a long-time justice of the Sandigan Bayan. So, he's an expert in graft and corruption. Mm-hmm. And maybe that that was one of the reasons why President Duterte appointed him kasi ang tagal niyang, ano eh, ang tagal niyang hukom sa, sa, sa graft and corruption. But under, under him, there has been criticism of a very lax ombudsman kasi ang pagtingin niya ay napaka-stricto ng batas. Mm. That it, it, it's being used to you know, repress the little people in government. So he's saying that what if you have a Maserati, for example, it doesn't mean that you're corrupt. He's saying that maybe it's just your luho at tinipid mo lahat ng aspeta sa buhay mo para makabili ng Maserati. He's saying na wala tayong pakialam kung anong gustong bilhin ng isang government official. He's saying that silence had become weaponized. He's saying that he said he has stopped lifestyle checks because he's saying na nagagamit siya ng magkakalaban sa politika. He wants a less criminal treatment of some cases. Like for example, kapag finailan mo yung isang government official ng non-liquidation of expenses, sinasabi niya na baka naman kasi nahuli lang dahil ang dami mong ililiquidate sa gobyerno. So if in six months he has liquidated it, some cases still go on for criminal trial. So parang naharas lang yung government 
um, personnel. So what he wants is a clear delineation between a criminal case and an administrative case. So some cases should be treated purely as an administrative case na parang kung nahuli ka sa liquidation, isa-sanction ka lang administratively. Hindi mo na kailangan dumaan sa criminal trial because that ends up harassing you. So, and uh, we can remember that in his, very, in his first months in office, he recalled suspensions and dismissals of mayors and local officials under the, who were punished under violation of the solid waste. Ito yung effort to eh, ni Ombudsman Morales. He cre- she created the environmental ombudsman, you know, that would aggressively punish local officials for not complying to their duties under the Solid Waste Act. And nirecall lahat yun Ombudsman Martires, and he's saying it's very unreasonable and it's not economically feasible to expect these local officials to, to strictly follow everything under the Solid Waste Act. And there were lawyers who told me that that's wrong because kahit pa sabihin mong hindi siya economically feasible, the law is there and so it must be followed. So what was the authority of the ombudsman to not follow a law? But then again, nobody, nobody challenged it. So we're not saying that um, kasalanan ng mga tao, bakit hindi nila, bakit hindi nila challenge? It's, it just all paints a picture of a government that has consolidated its power. Itong uh, approach ni Ombudsman Martires, do you see this na magta-translate or ma-reflect sa task force ng DOJ? Mahirap siyang i-connect because yung pagtingin kasi ni Ombudsman Martires, um, it's it's really looking at the whole function of the office of the ombudsman, which is baka nagagamit kasi sa away politiko yung pag-file ng mga complaint. Tama lang naman kasi para hindi nga rin maabuso kasi napopoliticize ng office of the ombudsman. Dito kasi sa DOJ, it's being packaged as these are the big fish corruption scams. These are agencies with rampant corruption inside and programs with rampant um, anomaly that must be stopped. So if you were to believe the president, this mega task force would target yung mga hotbed of, would proactively target the hotbeds of corruption, you know, without a need for a politician, without a need for anyone complaining about it. So parang gusto nilang sabihin na, oh, ito, mag-i-initiate, kami nang mag-i-initiative para investigahan yung mga corruption. That is if you were to believe him. But uh, we interviewed Miss Joy Aceron of um, a corruption watchdog called Government Watch. And she was warning that the, the danger of bypassing institutions for a corruption mechanism and resorting uh, to close allies is that it can be used to run after the enemies or the perceived enemies of the administration, which are, I guess, the opposition mm-hmm. or anyone who, who, who expresses dissent. Um, in the administration. Siguro, next kong question, what worries you about this task force? May nakita ba na possible na maging issues? Para sa akin lang kasi, um, I think the Office of the Ombudsman deserve to be strengthened. I mean, nakikita ko yung, yung sinasabi ni Yusek Costeñano na undermanned nga naman talaga ang Office of the Ombudsman. And they are. And ilang taon nilang pinaglaban in Congress yung retirement package bill nila. So, mas mataas yung retirement nila. Right now, they're fighting for to restore their budget for 2021 kasi na-reduce siya. na from their previous budget which violates fiscal autonomy. 
So, for me, dapat strengthen ang institution. If you're gonna duplicate the function of Office of the Ombudsman, then there is a risk. You weaken the Office of the Ombudsman. And that is also the warning of um, si Ms. Joy Aceronov. G-Watch na ma- baka ma-weaken yung mga institution. And it's not just the Office of the Ombudsman, there's also the Commission on Audit na the President has made public statements before to push auditors down the stairs. Instead of deputizing the, the NBI who have other jobs to do, why not just, you know, um, strengthen the Commission on Audit? These are auditors. They are financial experts trained have the expertise to investigate finances bakit hindi na lang sila yung tulungan mong institution to run after corruption so that is my worry that it could end up weakening these independent constitutional bodies in favor of deputizing a political agency medyo stark image yung pinipaint mo liyan sa efforts ng Duterte government against corruption eh But before we dive into other issues, let's take a break and listen to this Raptor Podcast Overview. Next time, wag niya akong pariginigin ng revolusyon. Naku, Diyos ko. Yan ang mas delikado sa COVID. Eh, kung mag-revolusyon kayo, you will give me the free ticket to stage a counter-revolution. How I wish you would do it. Don't understand what President Rodrigo Duterte is saying? Want to know the story behind his words? Listen to Seat of Power, Raptor's political podcast about the Duterte presidency. Hosted by me, P. Renada, Raptor's Malacanang Beat Reporter. A lot of people, not much a lot, but I know that there are some people who would happily use I'm polyamorous label to basically justify anything, mm-hmm. to justify sleeping around, to justify not committing, but that flies in the face naman of how we see it. It's my choice not to be a mother, but I'm not, it's not dissing on, mothers, dissing yeah. on motherhood, uh, about, on it's parenthood. It's like a purely person-to-person basis. Uh-oh. I'm Marguerite Leon, host of Rappler's I've Got an Opinion, where I speak to ordinary people who have a lot to say about extraordinary issues. Listen in every other Wednesday at 8 p.m. on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Hi, welcome back to News Break Beyond the Stories. I am Judes Govilan, and we are here with Lian Buan. We've been talking about probing corruption under Duterte. So, Lian, bakit ba ang daming roles nga bigla ng DOJ? Like, aside from this task force, meron din siyang hinahawakan ng mga ibang task force, di ba? Well, siguro paborito. Baka paborito, new favorite na ng Presidente si Justice Secretary. No? But um, uh-huh. that's just uh, our speculation. I think you would go back to the point that um, the DOJ is a political agency. And not that's not to, you know, taint the DOJ under Secretary Guevara as uh, a bad thing. But it's a fact that they're a political agency. And according uh, to experts, um, It's a populist approach. Like, for example, in the U.S., yung appointment ni um, Donald Trump to uh, William Barr as his attorney general, um, ha- ang, ang pagtingin dito ng mga um, analysts doon ay, you know, uh, William Barr has deeply politicized the DOJ, that um, the, the, the U.S. DOJ has been used to protect Trump, ganun. Um, I'm not saying that's happening here, but because it is... Because of the fact that this, that it is a political agency, that's gonna that's always gonna be seen as one of the reasons. We don't know if yun yung main reason, but that's always gonna be seen as probably one of the reasons why President Duterte would rather have the DOJ handle investigations 
because you know it's a it's an agency under him and i asked secretary Guevara that because we noticed that dun sa philhealth task force there was a line in the memorandum that says if the pre if if the doj finds that these people have to be suspended they have to seek the approval of the president first and that was weird to me because if ombudsman handle they don't need to seek the approval of anyone, even the president, to sanction anyone. It will just have to be the office of the ombudsman deciding by itself. Kaya I asked Secretary Guevara that if that's going to happen under the mega task force and walang nakalagay na ganun sa memorandum. And um, Secretary Guevara told me, quote, that um, it, this is verbatim, the president has given the DOJ a free hand in filing cases. Pero, there's a but. He said, but if presidential appointees are to be charged, official courtesy demands that the appointing authority be informed in advance. So they're going to inform the president in advance. If, or ito yung iniimbestigahan natin, ganun. And uh, I had a conversation about that with under with Yusek Costignano, and he was telling me that yung mga agents daw ng NBI kapag ang iniimbestigahan nila malaki at alam nilang malaki yung babanggain nila, they're conscious. Mm -hmm. They are conscious about that fact. And while it is an ideal world that you spare no one, in reality daw that that is that doesn't always one hundred percent happen. Um, to quote him, sabi niya, hindi yan talaga ang nangyayari. Kahit sino lang, hindi nangyayari yun. So, these are the realities. Rian, hindi pa makaka-apekto sa productivity or output ng DOJ yun? Ang dami nilang trabaho ngayon under Duterte. Given na two years na lang ang natitira under Duterte Admin and yung last year pa ay magiging election season. Well, that's a good point. Um, and I guess that's something that they have to show for. First, they have to comply to their self-imposed deadline of November to release their findings on their drug war panel. Uh, they have to justify their extrajudicial killings, EJK or AO35 panel. They have to defend it against criticisms that it has barely done anything. And sinasabi nga nila na, hindi naman, nagkatrabaho naman kami. So they have to show results. Um, yung prosecution rates nila, they have, to, they have to show improvement in prosecution rates and conviction rates to prove that this mega task force will not hamper um, their, their normal operations. Um, it is incumbent upon them to finish uh, the earlier started investigations. Like, for example, where's the NBI investigation? In the deaths in Bilibid, they said they were going to investigate that. Um, where, where are the promised second batch of cases in PhilHealth, which the secretary also promised. And they have to clear their backlogs of everyone that they prosecuted for violating quarantine. So, uh, a good point. And if they claim that this is not going to hamper their normal operations, then they have to show that to the Filipino people. And are you confident that they will do that? I don't think it's for me to say <laughs> if I'm confident. I don't know. I actually, I actually don't know. Um, as I said, they're just going to have to show results. All right. 
And siguro my next question, since you answered naman na yung before, do you see another way for the Duterte government to handle corruption issues in the government without creating another task force? Like, do you see ba na siguro can the Duterte government continue its fight against corruption without even this task force? Yeah. Uh, as I said kanina, they should strengthen their institutions. I mean, this administration has been um, accused of threatening check and balance. And what is better to offset that perception than to strengthen the independent bodies and, and the constitutional bodies, such as the Office of the Ombudsman, and not threaten to push auditors down the stairs? Mm-hmm. Parang, yun, yun eh. And um, the fight against corruption, I mean, it will also be internal din naman. I mean, uh, appoint people who are good to the... Kasi, di ba, parang it has been pointed out before that nire-recycle lang yung mga tinatanggal. Like, for example, when um, Nick Feldon was removed from customs, he was reappointed to the Bureau of Immigration. And then the other ex-soldiers who were involved in that sila, Milo Mestre Campo, they were reappointed to DOTR. There are many things that the president can do to fight corruption without having to resort to a mega task force that duplicates the function of an already existing um, office of the ombudsman. So I think from that, coming from that, Lian, you've covered the corruption beat for years. Nagsandigan ka na, nag-ombudsman ka na, di ba? And then recently, yung malaking issue ngayon, yung pahirapan na pagkuha ng SALN, yung Statement of Assets, Liabilities, and Network ng government officer, officials from the ombudsman, di ba? Given this context na to, with the mega task force, and this nangyayari sa ombudsman pagdating sa SALN, what does this say about the Duterte administration's fight against corruption? For one, it says a lot about the transparency of the Duterte administration the the fact that they had i mean they have an they have an FOI EO but the fact that they're not passing it into law uh, says says a lot about the administration and it also said a lot about the Aquino administration when it did not pass an FOI law and now yung restriction sa salen yung hindi paglabas ng presidente ng kanyang salen um and you know banning reporters from covering that says a lot about the transparency of the Duterte administration uh, for the fight against corruption you're just going to have to measure it against their track record and um, there are mountain calls for health secretary duque to resign not just from anybody but from the senate and the uh, who which has done investigations into DOH and PhilHealth and Yet, time and again, President Duterte has stood by the health secretary. And, you know, um, uh, Pierre Renada has written extensively about this. Is, yeah, yun, yung mga, the, Duterte likes to play into the headlines and make big pronouncements about the big corruptions that break out in the news. In the news and then they just kind of fade away later on and the officials are reappointed. So these are the things you look at when you try to measure if the fight against corruption has been sincere or effective. Okay. Sure, uh, before tayo mag-ask ng isa pang personal question for you, I wanted to ask then, balik tayo na sinabi mo about salen, bakit na importante na masa publiko itong mga salen without the public knowing yung content ng mga 
Salens ng mga high officials, ano ba yung pwedeng mangyari? Two schools of thought kasi Salen. There's a school of thought which is a valid school of thought na um, Salen should not be the end-all be-all of integrity. Kasi pag tinignan mo nga naman yung Salen, it's just uh, a list of their real uh, their properties, their cash, their re- uh, real estate, jewelries, and whatever, and bank deposits and And some people would say, you know, if you're good, if you really want to sniff corruption, you're not gonna do it in Sal N. You're gonna have to see bank records, have good to amlak. And yeah, that's correct. But journalists, kasi, are working on this uh, school of thought where everything is key to transparency. And the PCIJ has said, has said, has cited an example nga na much of their investigative reports about you know yung mga mansions nila erap dati arroyo cases also uh salens had a lot to do with that and so and that's that's correct kasi pwede kang pwede mo ang gawing springboard yung salen for your investigations you can see sino yung pinagkakautangan alam mo yun, yung mga ganung klase na you can see kung sino yung pinagkakautangan nila kasi nakalagay doon na sa liabilities from the salen Um, you can also see, kunyari, meron kang alam na bahay niya and you have confirmed na bahay niya yon pero wala sa salen niya, then that's non-disclosure. And so, while yes, uh, it's valid for some people to say that, uh, you know, salen is not the end-all be-all of integrity and corruption. It doesn't really categorically say whether a person is corrupt or not. But there are details which you can use to you know investigate the wealth of officials and if they were to uphold transparency then they should we should be allowed to see their salens all right for my last question i think this is a more personal figure uh, Lian, in your years of probing corruption under Duterte admin ano yung mga challenges na nakita mo and siguro knowing these challenges how do you see this possibly address uh, the challenge is really transparency Um, I started with the corruption beat in 2017, where everything was still pretty much normal. We were we still had access to salens, we had access to ombudsman resolutions, we had access to new to demand for it. Yeah. Okay. And I think I said it last question, but I'm going to think of last. Do you have like last thoughts on why the public should care about first this mega task force and how it will do its job? And second, this in the general uh, fight against corruption. Like, why should like the public also bantayan yung nangyayari? Hindi lang yung yung institutions lang yung magbabantay ng nangyayari. Kasi simple lang judas. Kasi pera nila yon. It's their money, and their government should be working from them and not stealing from them. For the first question, why should they care about the mega task force? Well, and Secretary Guevara said that it's because they have much to do with frontline services. So, ito yung mga servisyong agarang nakukuha ng tao. Like, for example, eh, syempre, tax, uh, yung mga sh- shippings from the from customs, um, you, you know, um, health benefits from from PhilHealth, uh, road projects from DPWH. And they should care about these because precisely as the Secretary um, described it, it's frontline service. So, these are services that immediately impact them. So, gusto ba ng mga tao na forever na lang na may red tape, forever na may kotong, forever na may padulas system? Of course, nobody wants that. And so, they should uh, they should care for it. Kasi, as I said, 
Pera nila yon. Yes. So, on the tooth, uh, medyo optimistic ka dyan na sana maging mas vigilant ang mga tao, no? And hopefully, yung mega task force, it works. Nasa maayos yung timetable nila at hindi ito malunod lang sa mga nangyayaring controversies sa Philippines under Duterte. So, thanks, Lian, for joining me today and for helping us dissect itong mga issues under Duterte and his alleged fight against corruption. Thank you, Jadis. You're welcome. So, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you would like to be updated on this and other issues, huwag kalimutan na i-follow ang Rapper News Breaks sa Facebook, pati na rin sa Twitter. Pwede ka rin sumali sa Rapper Plus, plus sa community where we discuss and get deeper insights to the issues we face today. You can sign up by visiting rapper.com slash plus. Kung meron ka namang gusto na topic na you think we should discuss in our podcast, email us at investigative at rapper.com. Again, that's investigative at rapper.com. Again, I am Dudas Gavilan and his news break, Beyond the Stories.